welcome back everybody. It's your host Natalia. I am really excited to be with everybody here again today. Um, today I am super honored and lucky to be talking to Selena Caesar Chavanas. She is a member of parliament um, in Canada. So this is like a very big deal for me at least. Um, Selena, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi everyone. Uh, this is Selena Caesar Chavan. As mentioned, I'm a member of parliament for a town called Whitby in Ontario, Canada. And it's about, for context, uh, the town of Whitby is about 40 minutes east of Toronto. So uh, anytime you're traveling or visiting, I'd love to welcome you to my town. <laughs> so Selena, let's get started. Um, I just okay. want to hear a little bit about your background. I mean, I got to hear about it. So to give everybody else context, I met Selena um, many months ago at a Running Start event to... Uh, is uh, founded by Susanna Welford, who we've had on the podcast before. Um, and you were, it was at the Canadian Embassy, and yes. you were just speaking a little bit about your life and taking ownership of a room, a conversation, anything. Um, and I just really want you to kind of start from the beginning because I think you have a really interesting story about how you got to where you are now. Okay, so. Um... I'll start from start from the very beginning. <laughs> a very good place to start. Um, so so yeah. So I actually, um, when it comes to politics, really before I started politics, I owned a healthcare based research management firm. So I think mm -hmm. at that event, I was giving the ten lessons that I learned from business. So owned that that business. Really just. Um, being the person who managed the business of research for scientists and physicians who conducted it. Mm -hmm. So the scientists and researchers were allowed to look at their test tubes or their patients and the funder was allowed to, you know, fund the research, but I did everything in the middle, regulatory ethics, that mm -hmm. budgets, contracts, that sort of thing. Towards the 10 year mark of my business, I decided to do an executive MBA during the MBA there was a politics course and mm. they were talking about political capital. How much, how many people do you know in politics? What is your political capital? And I just thought, I don't have any. <laughs> so I just thought, Oh my God, how am I going to get some capital real fast, political mm -hmm. capital real fast. And I became a member of the party. So that was in December of 2013. Mm -hmm. In February of 2014, I became a, a member of the Liberal Party of Canada, which is very similar to your Democrat, mm -hmm. the Democrats. And um, in March of that year, on International Women's Day, the, the party had a campaign to invite women to run. So I got the email that said, do you invite her to run was a subject. And this is, do you know a woman who is, you know, smart and charismatic and is able to contribute to ideas that could build mm -hmm. Canada? If so, invite her to be a candidate. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, I know that woman and it's me. <laughs> and so I, the rest is history. I ran in a by-election, lost the by-election. And then I ran uh, in November of 2014, then ran in a general election in October of 2015. The rest is history. Here I am. Here you are. Three years later, still killing it in the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is it like being, I, obviously I don't know a lot about Canadian politics, but I have listened to a lot of interviews that you've been in and um, just so I can get to know more about you because I think you're fascinating. Um, what is it like to be a black woman in the Canadian parliament? parliament. Yeah. I would say, and I don't think that there's, 
much just so when I, I look at stories of, of Maxine Waters, Auntie Maxine, mm-hmm. and um, her, her recent exploits with mm-hmm. the backlash that she received, I think it's a very lonely place. Um, mm-hmm. By population, you the American uh, government and American politics might seem bigger, but mm-hmm. if we scale it based on uh, size, you know, I, I would think that she would be probably as, as lonely in some of her positions and some of the decisions she makes as mm-hmm. I do in the Canadian Parliament. In, in the Canadian Parliament right now, there's six members of Parliament who are black, uh, two women who are black. I tend to be the most outspoken out of all of them, <laughs> um, and that's by design. Um, and, 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 you know, it, I think when I got there, I felt, I felt a sense of burden because mm-hmm. the place was so lonely because I didn't see myself in the walls or reflected in the pictures or in the architecture or anything about the space. Mm-hmm. So it felt very burdensome. And then as I sort of got went through in the, the three years that I've been there, I started slowly realizing that that burden wasn't necessarily a burden after all in terms of the, the negative connotation of burden. Mm-hmm. It was a responsibility. And the responsibility was not just to, you know, toe the line and say the lines that, that the party tells me to say, but it was also to raise awareness about various issues. So whether it's mental health and particular mental health in the in in communities of, of color or in the black community specifically, you know, we're supposed to talk, I'm supposed to talk about that. I'm supposed to talk about microaggressions. I'm supposed to talk about body shaming mm-hmm. and, you know, how our hair, the mm-hmm. size of our lips, the size of our hips is a thing that apparently doesn't contribute to what Europeans think is mm-hmm. beautiful, but I think is absolutely dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to have those conversations, because, you know, the conversations that happen at everyday water coolers mm-hmm. are different for different groups. Yes. And because they don't resonate with your circles, doesn't mean that this conversation isn't happening. So for me, it was about the responsibility of saying, yeah, you have one of the biggest microphones in the country. Use it. Mm-hmm. Use it to talk about the things that people are whispering about in corners and bring mm-hmm. it out into the main forum and into the public space. And that responsibility, I further realized was what I was feeling was love, mm-hmm. you know, the love I had for my community. So in February of this year, February 2018, in Black History Month, I wrote a love letter to black women. And oh, I, wanted my, what a dream. I wanted my sisters to mm. know that I see them, I see their struggle, mm-hmm. I see their hurt, I see their pain, but I also see their joy, I see their melanin, I see how diverse it is, I see mm-hmm. them moving and shaking and, and killing the game. And I, I see them doing amazing things under extremely oppressive circumstances. And that love that I have for my community is everything. So mm-hmm. I, it went from being very burdensome and negative to being a realization of a responsibility to it being a love for mm-hmm. a community. And so what do you think, I mean, among many challenges, what do you think is like has been your greatest challenge during your time serving in parliament is it overcoming the race factor is it overcoming a woman factor is it a myriad of other things what is it um i would say that uh for me Mm -hmm. it is so let me rewind a little bit when i Mm -hmm. had my business it was very easy for me in the private sector to hide who i was 
Mm. Nobody had to know that, you know, I was a young black woman before the contract was executed and we mm-hmm. were both making money. Mm-hmm. Like my, my picture didn't have to be anywhere. It was Selena Caesar Chaban and it was, you know, we were, I was just doing business and I had changed my name. So my name up until about seven years ago, I think, was Rayon Caesar Chaban. So it was very ambiguous. Mm. Nobody could know if I was female, color, anything. Contracts were signed. We're both making money. I'd walk into my doctor's offices and they'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but by then we're making money, so nobody cared. Yeah. Green is green is green for everybody. When I got into politics was the first time that I actually realized, and this has been a, a realization for me, a coming to self, that I was a black woman. Mm. I, I'd never in my life experienced... You know, it was like, oh, my God, look at this. I'm black. And whoa, God, I got boobs. I'm a woman. And, you know, it was was the strangest thing because it was so apparent that I was different Mm -hmm. in that space. It was so apparent that I was not only different, but I was bringing different perspectives. I was not getting caught being politically incorrect because Mm -hmm. we think we, we are the recipients of political incorrectness. Mm-hmm. So we're always thinking three steps ahead of mm-hmm. when we speak, how we use our words to either empower or to clap back, mm-hmm. right? So we, we understand that nuance. We understand that sophistication. So the, the, I, think, I think the hardest part for me was the feeling, and it goes back to my previous comment about the burden, the responsibility, and the mm-hmm. love. It was the transition from being just a name Mm -hmm. and a business person who was killing the game and doing my stuff Mm -hmm. as a total Mm -hmm. ambiguous individual, so just a person, to being the black woman in parliament. Mm. I'd never had that title Mm -hmm. before. So why did you change your name? Because if that was, is Selena your birth name or is it a middle name? No, No. Selena was my third name. It's actually a, a really cute story. It was uh, my great great grandmother wanted that to be my name. She died eight days before I was born at 89 years old, mm. and uh, she told my mom, "You know, you're having a girl. I want you to name her Selena." Mm. And my mom gave it to me as my third name. <laughs> a few years ago, my grandmother was living with me, and she said, "You know, this is the story." And she said, "Would you do mind changing it?" And I, my grandmother was my everything, and mm-hmm. so I said, "Sure." And the next day, it was just like. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it is part of your name. You just moved it to the front. I just moved it to the front. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like... So my full name is Selena Rayon Caesar Chabin. Okay. So it wasn't like you pulled it out of a hat one day and was like, hey. No, 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 no. It was there. There was was contact. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't like a, you know, a Malcolm X change or anything like that. (laughs) It was... I'm still thinking maybe I could do that, um, but it was uh, it was it was an, an, an honor and homage to my to my grandmother who mm-hmm. was living with me and to my great grandmother. That's beautiful. I like that because you don't get to hear stories about that often. Yeah, so I like that a lot. Um, so shifting back focus, I just was like, why did she change her name all of a sudden? Um, <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about like your your educational background because I remember mm-hmm. when I met you. You gave this powerful, like, people you weren't there so you don't understand. There wasn't a dry on the house. There was so much snapping and clapping. Um, 
I want you to talk about that because I think it offers so much inspiration to when you think you can't do something and then ascending to now. You talked about having mm. like the lowest grades. The mm. you know what I mean? Mm. It was it was rough out there for you. You had a kid. Oh, I wasn't gonna go that far back. Okay. okay oh so like- girl, no, I was like, <laughs> let's tell it because I still remember it and thinking about how long ago we saw each other. <laughs> education and we could we could speak we'll just focus in on that mm-hmm. I actually graduated from high school in 1992 top of my class mm-hmm. you know you did five years of high school I did all five and four my highest mark was like a 99 my lowest was an 80 something mm-hmm. I, I killed it in high school I was cute I was smart <laughs> I was like I was everything you wanted to be in high school mm-hmm. and then some um <laughs> You know, I hang. I hung with the popular kids. I hang with the nerds. I, I was just. I was the. I was the girl you want to be in high school. Mm-hmm. And then you know, so then I, I got accepted into all three universities that I wanted to, that I applied to. Um, of course, early, mm-hmm. and my parents said, you know, you better apply to University of Toronto because you ain't you ain't sleeping away from home. So I don't know how you're gonna get back there and back. <laughs> so I was, I really wanted to go to McMaster, and that's in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. You can't drive there and back. Mm-hmm. So I went to U of T, and within the first year, I was kicked out of school. Mm. No, the first year I was on academic probation. The second year they kicked me out. I petitioned. They brought me back. The third year I was on academic probation. I was supposed to graduate this that year. I didn't because I only got a three-year degree. The fourth year they kicked me out again. I petitioned. I came back. The fifth year I was on academic probation. And then finally in the sixth year, (laughs) six years for a three-year degree in 1998, I graduated with a 1.58 GPA Mm-mm. after leaving high school as like the woman, like <laughs> I was the ish. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just the lowest point in my life. Mm-hmm. I And 1998 is what, like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So this isn't a long time yeah. where, you know, all your life you're told you're going to be a doctor. That's what you're going to be. I'm like, I in my head, I am neuroscientist i am mcdreamy from gray's anatomy or whichever one it is <laughs> mcsteamy or mcdreamy mm-hmm. i am the the god of the medical industry as the neurologist mm-hmm. and you can't be a neurologist with a 1.58 gpa <laughs> in case you didn't i don't know, know what medical school accepts you but it's not one in which people should trust you to operate on their brains Mm-hmm. So I was at the lowest point in my life. I decided to, uh, I was working as a forklift operator in my, my uh, family's business. And then I realized that, wait a minute, the University of Toronto actually gave me the piece of paper and the 1.58 isn't written on it. Like who played who at that point, right? Like, <laughs> um, so I actually had the paper that said I graduated. I went back to U of T as an undergrad went back to school, um, did an undergrad research project, killed it, got an an A-plus in that, then did my first MBA, killed it, did that through University of Phoenix, and then that 10 years later, did my Mm -hmm. second executive MBA. Why do I need two MBAs? That's (laughs) probably another question you'll ask me. Um, Because you can. (laughs) I did that at the University of Toronto because Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that the University of Toronto did not own me. 
So I went back to U of T, <laughs> killed it. And I was like, yeah, take that. Take that, U of T. <laughs> Just because I'm competitive like that. No, that's fair. I, res- I respect the hustle. I'm never going to. I respect the hustle on so many levels. So it's fine. It's fine. That's, I mean, that to me, I remember, remember when I heard that the first time and I was just like, how? And now she's, I was like, and now you're up here like doing things. You looked fabulous. You had this beautiful scarf on. You were living your best life. It was just like these things of like, even being at your lowest point, you can still ascend to so much and you're still so young. Yeah. the thing. Cause I think that's also like often when we see these people, they're like, they're there, but maybe they're like 60 or 70 and they finally got to that point where we're like, oh my gosh. But it's like looking, I think part of your story of what I loved and looking at you and what I knew a lot of the other women that were around me loved was she's so young, you know, she's so young and she's out there killing it. And she's like at such a level where she's respected. And I think that is so key and integral in being a leader and being a change maker um, and just having that kind of spotlight is your face. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love the spotlight. So <laughs> there isn't a spotlight that I don't like. Uh, <laughs> however, however, that I, I know I need to like, I need to humble myself a little bit. I'm going through like this transition where I'm trying to like gain some humility, but I'm so amazing like I really love me Mm -hmm. right and I think that that is so quintessentially important in our ability to be leaders within Mm -hmm. any space Mm -hmm. you know because in as much as you know I'm you know this person who is you know has attained quite a bit I'm not afraid to say yeah but let me tell you about the time when yeah. I had the 1.58. Or let me tell you about the time when, yeah, I fell flat on my face and totally messed that up. I'm not afraid to do that. So that that ability to connect human to mm-hmm. human on levels of success and failure mm-hmm. are really important. So my vulnerability, the, the parts in me that make me vulnerable, the 1.58, the fact that I live with depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. cry every day and can hardly get out of bed, the fact that I had two miscarriages between my my second and my third child, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, at one point I was a forklift operator and I just thought, oh my gosh, what I was supposed to be a neurologist, yeah. this can't be the end, is what connects us together. It mm-hmm. connects us as human beings to say, no, I'm not too proud to say that I make mistakes, I'm not too proud to allow my vulnerability to help you build your resilience. Mm, mm. That is, that's right. a key line. I'm not too proud to help, to let my vulnerability help build your resilience. That is yeah. a very deep line because I don't think, especially as women and women of color, we talk about our vulnerabilities enough and I don't, I don't know how it is in Canada, but I feel like here there is a lot of pressure not to fail. And that's actually something that's come up a lot on my podcast, like this pressure to like not fail as a woman, because if we do, they're going to hold it against us. 
but it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. We've been told all our lives to be twice as good, twice as fast, twice as this. Mm-hmm. You have to be two times better. You have to be two times. And it's not a sustainable reality. Mm-hmm. Something is going to give. And usually it ends up being you, mm-hmm. the person that is going twice as fast and running two times as hard. So that ends up being you who breaks. And it usually happens with our mental health, which we're also not allowed to talk about. So we smile and we go to the party and we're like, "Ah." and inside (laughs) we are completely breaking. Or when we are totally falling to pieces, we stay locked away and nobody knows why. Mm -hmm. Well, I, that doesn't work for me. That is, that's not a comfortable space for me to be in. So I'm the person that says, Hey babe, I am not well. Mm-hmm. And hey, friend, I this bad thing happened to me. And my husband always says to me, "Baby, you don't have to tell everybody everything." <laughs> I'm like, "Why not? <laughs> why not? Like, why not? Mm-hmm. Especially for me, as somebody's in like the public space now, why yeah. not? Like, mm-hmm. I might as well be the, the maker of my my own story. They're going to talk about you anyway. Mm-hmm. You might as well write the plot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You're gonna you write the climax. You write mm-hmm. that line." Because they're going to talk about you as soon as you leave the room. Mm-hmm. You might as well give them something that you want them to see. You are going to write the story that they are going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And have you felt the need to do that even more so being in Parliament? Because you're like, I'm in the public eye now and like they are going to say things about me. I remember I watched um, yeah. a, a video of you and it was, it was talking how you were talking about racial discrimination within Canada and how... Um, your other colleagues were being like, "There's that's not really like a problem. This was like a news story. And you were like, um, yeah. excuse me. <laughs> Just because yeah. we're Canadian doesn't mean we're not mean kind of thing. Right. And can you so you can right. you talk a little bit more about that? Well, it's often, you know, you know, Canada wasn't, it's, it's not as bad as the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's, just, it's not as bad doesn't mean, make it okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we, and, and we're not going to, we're not going to create positive change for a lot of equity seeking groups, not just mm-hmm. the black community, but racialized groups, indigenous communities, mm-hmm. different sexual orientation, people with disabilities, religious groups. We're not going to make those changes for equity seeking groups. If we say, well, we're not that bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. I, I didn't know that that <laughs> the lowest common denominator was where we were starting from. Yeah. So let's start from a place where, Let's acknowledge the truth. Here is the truth of our current situation. Mm-hmm. Here's the truth about our history of how we tr- treated people. Mm-hmm. Here's the truth about indigenous and black people in particular in this country and their true trajectory. And now we could come to the reconciliation part where we realize that the current situation where there is systemic racism, where there's an overrepresentation of black people in our prison system in Canada mm-hmm. and the overrepresentation of indigenous people in prisons in mm-hmm. Canada, overrepresentation of black and indigenous children in foster care or in care in Canada is mm-hmm. a direct result and has an immediate link to the historical truths which we have been unwilling to talk about for so many years. Mm-hmm. So if we want to get to a point where we're try- actually going to fix it, in a sustainable way and not by putting a band-aid on it, let's talk about the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, how you interpret the truth is not my problem. <laughs> not my problem. Mm-hmm. This is the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth. It is not my problem how you interpret it. Mm-hmm. 
but we need to we need to have that discussion as uncomfortable as it is for us to get to a point where we are actually putting resources and making change to a system that is inherently racist because of our history. Mm. And I think that's something that often, I don't know, gets overshadowed because I, I, I remember when, um, so when our current administration, um, you know, came into <laughs> office, <laughs> came into office, there was a lot of like, I'm going to move to Canada that I don't know if you guys saw any of that, but there was like a lot of like that here. Oh, and I was our, like, y'all, our, that's I think our immigration website crashed. <laughs> we... One, some part of our website crashed that day because there were so many people like looking to that. And I'm like, I'm like you Americans are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's not true. a reasonable option, you know, <laughs> There's a lot of other things you could do than just back up everything and move to Canada. I mean, it's quite a drive. Like, I've been there. It's quite it a is. drive to get there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and you will have to drive with all of your stuff. Yes. That's, you can't fly that over. No, that's okay. a process. Let's be clear about what you're asking to do. <laughs> but I just think about that and this idea that somewhere else is necessarily better. Um, and that, right. and that, or like they have it more figured out without really understanding the history and the context of that place because we, we don't live there. And me being someone who doesn't know that much about Canada, I knew for facts that moving there, it was going to be like same ish, different day because they, we still face similar issues. It's just how we go about handling right, those right. issues. And I mean, I, I think, I think I always, I always, um, use the caveat of, you know, there are hist historical issues that, that lead to present day systemic racism. Mm -hmm. This is not an indictment on the entire system or the entire mm -hmm. country. We, we, we talk about racism, like it's, it had its, it has its negative impacts, mm -hmm. But it is an opportunity to create a more equitable society. Mm -hmm. And unless we're willing to understand that and move forward in a positive direction, we're we're just spinning our spinning a top in mud. That's what my mom used to say. Just, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you find you have to have a nice clear surface to spin a you know a, a top. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that if you're just stuck in the mud. Mm -hmm. So we, we really need to, to, to have these conversations from a perspective of, okay, so what is the outcome we wish, wish to achieve? Mm -hmm. We wish to achieve a more, are we using it to indict, to, to, mm -hmm. to make people feel guilty, to say you owe me, to say, and that might be part of it, but the part of it is from a perspective of let's build. Mm -hmm. And if that build does, does, require there to be resources allocated to this particular group to create that equity, then absolutely mm -hmm. it should be paid. Mm -hmm. But we need to talk about it from a perspective of building because we cannot go any step further if we're only going to be building on sand mm -hmm. that tomorrow or the next day is going to crumble. We need to build for future generations. And so since your time in office, you said building, what have you been trying to focus on building in particular? 
Yeah. So in addition to, you know, the investments made obviously in my community here mm-hmm. in Whitby, and I, I think I should give some context around Whitby. Whitby, the population of Whitby is 80% Caucasian mm-hmm. and then 20% various other groups, um, maybe about six to 8% is as a black population. So it's, it's certainly, it's, it's certainly not the population that one would think I would be elected within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm a very straightforward individual. I think mm-hmm. people appreciate that. And so when I talk about equity, people often say, well, you know, what do people of Whitby have to say about that? And I say, well, people of Whitby would want equity too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not, this is not about, Selena, you're doing work for the black community exclusively, mm-hmm. or you're always talking about women, and or you're always, you know, why don't you focus on Whitby? Well, unless women and, you know, people of color, people with disability, people of different sexual orientation, or religious groups do not live in Whitby, mm-hmm. then, then it doesn't apply to them. But they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that... In my understanding and my understanding of reasonable, pe- of reasonable people who uh, elected me, it is my it is my hope, is actually my understanding of these people, of the mm-hmm. people that I represent, that they want someone who's going to stand up for the underdog. Mm-hmm. They want someone to elect them, to represent them, who's going to not just follow the government, not just follow the crowd, mm-hmm. but be be that person that is just a little bit different that says, I'm going to create some space to have some different conversations mm-hmm. because they know I, you know, I, I'm wild like that. So <laughs> creating equity is wild. <laughs> it, is. it is. I want people to be excited about it. I want people to know that it's not this uh, doom and gloom. Yeah. It's not that, it's not that thing. This is, this is mm-hmm. great. This is great for our country. It is great for business. It is great for communities. When we have equity in our systems, in our businesses, there's a higher uh, return on investment. Look at the statements. Look at the research on this. When we are involved, in, and we could talk, talk about women, when women are involved in peace-seeking operations, peace and stability lasts 9 to 15 years longer. Mm-hmm. There's more, there's more money in your bottom line in business. There is more productivity. Why is that? Because you have different perspectives in an organization, in a community, in a political setting, in a business to allow for us to make a greater, to have a greater impact. And that is what inclusion does. Mm-hmm. But we're so busy telling each other, well, you know, your hair is, you know, too poofy, so you can't stay here. And, you know, we we don't we don't like this about you. I mean, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Let's make some money. <laughs> like, if, if it's only about money, let's just think about yeah. doing this so we can make some more money. Mm-hmm. How about that? No, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. So how has this, like impacted your views or viewpoints or did you come into office so strong and hard lines and have you changed over time have you gotten more stringent about certain things have you kind of weighed in your viewpoints I I would say I didn't come in thinking that equity and justice or mental health would be the two 
points in which I have the strongest conviction. I, mm-hmm. I really didn't think so. I thought I would go in and learn and sit and be quiet and, you know, learn this political yeah. I don't have any political background. I, I never took a poli sci course. I don't have any, I didn't have any interest in politics. Yeah. So I was, go- I was going to be, you know, the, the student who <laughs> watched and learned. Mm-hmm. And that got, man, my skin started getting itchy real fast because I was like, this can't, this, I can't, no, 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 no. And it was the moment when I realized like, the prime minister, um, maybe about two years ago, said something to me. I asked him a question about some little thing that I wanted to mm-hmm. do. And he leaned over in a very peculiar way. And this is one of the reasons why I love serving with this government. Because mm-hmm. as much as I while out, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty, I'm uh, this is a contained, controlled version of myself. <laughs> uh, uh, so he leans over at the table and he says, Selena, you have one of the biggest megaphones in the country. You need to decide how you're going to use it. And I was like, Prime Minister said, what? Like, (laughs) what are you saying? And it it, it didn't dawn on me Mm -hmm. that I had, that that it was part of that realization of responsibility. Right? So here I am thinking, okay, I'm just going to sit back and listen and and be the, the nice, you know, Selena, where, first of all, it's not my personality. <laughs> like, I am so wild out all the time. Um, you know, I work as hard, but I, I party just as hard as mm-hmm. I work. So it's not my personality to be nice, you know, calm. And yes. I have rough edges. I'm outspoken. And I needed to refine that a little bit within the political context. Clearly, if you've seen Twitter, that... <laughs> goes not so well sometimes when I completely wild out. But, you know, I, I, you, you can't, I couldn't contain it. Mm-hmm. And I, again, the responsibility, the love of the community, that became the central piece of my, my mandate. Mm. No, I, I like that because I think so often when we enter different spaces, we kind of have this preconceived notion about how we have to be or who we have to be of who we're trying to impress without Mm -hmm. realizing that now we're in that space, we can dictate what it's supposed to look like. Right. Well, you know, we have this hashtag ad women change politics. Mm. And sometimes I feel it's just a hashtag, Mm -hmm. you know, you add women, but maintain the status quo. Yeah. No, you (laughs) add women. We are going to change. We need to be ourselves in the space. Mm -hmm. So you'll see, I don't wear jackets and people who do, that's totally fine. I'm not, I'm not dissing anybody else. I'm just talking about me. I love my curves. Mm -hmm. I love everything about this chocolatey curvy body. So I wear (laughs) dresses that are curvy. I don't try to put myself into a boxy looking Mm -hmm. jacket with shoulder pads and and nonsense. I don't do that. I love my heels. I love my makeup. I like having my hair in different styles. In politics, do not change your hair. What? Black women change their hair every minute. Yes. Listen, I can come and look in 10 different things and you would never know. (laughs) Look at me since I started. My hair was long when I started. I got a little shorter. I shaved the sides. I shaved it off. I keep it short. I let it go long. I had it in braids. Look, add women, change everything Mm -hmm. and if we are going to add women just to maintain the status quo then i could stay at home 
No, it's true because I think you do add a different vever, if you will, to mm-hmm. politics. And I and I say that in, in thinking of like U.S. politics and what I know of Canadian politics because here. Maxine Waters is is a version of you. I think is she's like the more outspoken, more louder, more like I'm gonna say what I feel because all of you are acting crazy, um, and and no, but that's what I respect and that's why I like her and that's why I like to see her speak and I think we do need more of that and I I think also what I appreciate about you is you speak in a way that is more how I would speak or how you would see mm-hmm. people of color speaking or how you would be like, okay, that's how like my auntie speaks or that's how like my mom speaks. That's how like my sister speaks. Because I remember I watched a video of you of, um, when you were talking about, uh, the issues with hair discrimination and you were wearing your braids and you're like, number one, my hair looks dope. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody (laughs) in politics anywhere ever use that word. I and want to get all very kinds of words thing. in the hand circ. <laughs> what? So when they were, I want to get all kinds of new words in the hand circ. So when yes. they record it, when they're reading the, the, the text, when the historians are reading the text of when Selena, yeah. Selena was in the parliament, I was like, well, the only time dope was ever used, the only time waxing poetic was ever used. <laughs> I just want to put them all in there, just in case they never come back. <laughs> So now it is, and I'm, and makes me happy. No, did you face any kind of pushback up for that? Was was there? Did you ever get? Or I guess did you ever get the feeling that when you came in and you were elected, that people expected you to act a certain type of way, and when you didn't, you kind of like stepped. When you started, you know, feeling more comfortable, and you stepped outside the line, was there someone? I mean, you don't have to name names, but like, was there someone being like, "Girl, you shouldn't do that." You know what I mean? Oh, like, oh, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure, and it was the, it was almost the usual suspects that you, I am sure. <laughs> as soon as I say uh, yes, for sure, uh, like people in in Canada or in the Black community would be able to go. Mm-hmm, I know who that was. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were, and it was like, okay, Selena, yes, well, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. you should be a little more. You know, and, you know, they dance mm-hmm. around the top, top of it. I was like, look, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Uh, I, I, you know, I've already said that if I'm a one-term MP because I speak out and I do the thing, that's, I'm, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it because I would have moved the needle on in the consciousness of many people about what black women are and who they are. Mm-hmm. and what we're willing to stand for and what we're willing to not stand for. So if, if even in these next four years, because they can't fire me. <laughs> You're like, I'm here. How long are your terms? Boom. <laughs> it's four <laughs> years because we have a majority, right? <laughs> Wait, how, how, long, how many years? We, is... have, we have a majority government, so we're okay. here for four years, right? Okay. So, they, they, I mean, I could, I could, you know, they could move me to another, like they could kick me out of the party, and mm-hmm. I could be an independent, mm-hmm. but I can't get fired. So <laughs> during this, and, and again, that was another realization too. Why not? Why not have these really uncomfortable conversations? And so, yeah, there were people that said, oh, you know, maybe you should just for the first, you know, this, you're just getting in here, just toe the party line and make sure. And I'm like, what about me saying what I'm saying is not 
towing the party line. Yeah. What What about equity is not part of the liberal or the democratic way of living mm-hmm. uh, or that their philosophy, what, what is not, what, where am I going wrong here? Mm-hmm. Because I'm saying it. Oh, so I have to wait for somebody else to say it. I should just sit quiet and be yeah. pretty. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Not today. Not today. I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going. So you have, so if you got elect 2015, you have one more year. Yeah. So October, 2019 is the next election. So are you like campaigning now? Is that how that works? Or are you like stagged? How does that work? So I am. So I think campaigning started the day after the last election. And, and to be quite honest, I think, I've, I've done that by continuing to raise my voice, continuing to raise the profile, answering all questions on social media, mm-hmm. fulfilling requests like this. Like, why on earth would Selena be on this podcast for an hour? <laughs> because to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm-hmm. So I've been given this great responsibility. It is my responsibility to then give that back to the community in mm-hmm. various ways, shapes, and forms, to be accessible, to to not just go door to door and knock on doors, but mm-hmm. to also answer questions on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. that people have for me. This is this is the responsibility of the job. So immediately it started where I made a choice that mm-hmm. I was going to stay engaged. And campaigning doesn't happen every four years. That is the fatal flaw of the politician, is that they, they do it every time there's an election. Well, what happens in between? How do we get more young people involved and engaged and plugged in mm-hmm. if the only time they have access to you is every four years when they need your vote? Mm-hmm. That don't make no sense. It's like when you see like the roads all of a sudden start to get fixed when it's near election time. That was a joke where, where I went to undergrad. They would always be like, this is the only time we ever get to see our roads start starting to get fixed. Yeah. It's because yeah. it was an election. Election year. season. Yeah. Yep. So how how is that for you to give so much of yourself to other people who are not necessarily like in your direct circle because you have a husband, you have three kids, right? Mm-hmm. So like, and on top of that, you like, you know, are low key helping run the country. So it's like, <laughs> is it a lot to give time. <laughs> in your spare time? You know, it's like, I'm just helping Canada live. Um, yes. So how is that for you? Because you are giving so much of yourself. Do you feel like there's any part of you that you just kind of get to keep for you? Oh, all the time. Mm. Oh, so, so I did talk about, um, I, I don't know if I, if part of my speech, when I gave my top 10, I talked about doing my fingernails. Like I mm. do my nails every day, 10 minutes, just make sure they're filed, manicured, well <laughs> done. Um, that is my time. That is me time. Mm. That is my nails are wet. Uh, no, I cannot make you a sandwich. Oh, mommy, can you help? No, <laughs> My nails are wet, and I'm going to put on an extra coat because the more coats I put on, the longer they take to dry to stop bothering me. And I, I would do that. And so so I think there has to be a balance. And, mm. you know, there's this, there's this always this discussion of this dichotomy between whether women can or cannot have it all. Mm-hmm. We can have it all, but we just, we just choose the quantities in which we take all of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can have a job, you know, helping to run a country and I can have three children and I can have a husband and I can be parliamentary secretary and I can still give back to my community. But it's 
it's the proportionality in which I decide to give those things. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in Ottawa, I'm 100% there. My family doesn't live there with me. I'm Mm -hmm. there by myself. I would work, you know, 24 hour days if I could there Mm -hmm. because it's my job and I'm giving 100% there. When I'm here with my family, I give 100% to them, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I don't do any work on Sundays unless it's an absolute like emergency, which, Mm -hmm. you know, November 11th will be a day where, you know, remember Day falls on a Sunday. So Mm -hmm. I'll be out all day. Um, but I don't. And I, I, there's some evenings where I just say no. And there's some days that I just say no to meetings Mm -hmm. because I know if you feed it, it'll grow. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to grow, you feed. And you decide how you're going to, just like a plant or a garden, mm-hmm. you, you could have all the plant varieties you want, but if one starts taking over the whole garden, you're just going to kill everything else. So you trim and you, and you, you know, you cut back on some and you decide what container you're going to put that in and then what container you're going to put the other things in and then what things and containers that you're going to put like the mint in. Cause the mint will just like take over the whole <laughs> garden, right? Which could be your job or could be mm-hmm. your kids or could be whatever. And it doesn't matter if you're in politics or you're a mom or you're whatever, whatever you are, mm-hmm. you need to put your, sort your garden out. Mm-hmm. You know, you got weeds all over the damn place. Like, <laughs> sort it out, right? Keep, just put things in containers mm-hmm. and water them when they need to be watered. If they don't need to be watered today, honey, don't water them. Mm. You know, it's your, your kids will drive you nuts if you acquiesce to every demand those little people make. <laughs> they don't need watering today. No water. Mm-hmm. There you go. No water. It's not gonna kill him. One day. No water. It's fine. So we don't. We have to like get this into mm-hmm. our heads that you know when my kids are here and my husband says, "Oh, they're having cereal for dinner." I don't go, "Oh my God, why aren't they having vegetables and protein and sixty percent of their daily recommended blah blah blah?" Mm-hmm. Cereal will be just fine <laughs> for today. In fact, if you want to give them cereal all week go right ahead <laughs> I'm not gonna kill myself mm-hmm. so we, we need to be able to do that in anything that we're doing mm-hmm. because we can have it all it's just a matter of which quantities of all we want mm-hmm. to have and at what time if we know we can't manage having all of you know azaleas at the same time then don't have all azaleas <laughs> have a couple cactus that don't require water that's true I do like a nice cactus. We have a lot of succulents in our house. <laughs> 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 that don't require a lot of care. There you go. So can you, you need that. Can you just talk a little bit about your top 10 and kind of explain what that is? Yes. So, okay. Let me, let me open it up. So my top 10, I'm actually writing my top 10 in a book. <gasps> is this the announcement that you have a book coming out? Woo. I oh it's not coming out I'm still typing it's not there's no coming out yet uh, <laughs> every time I get to like a certain amount of words when I got to 25,000 words my my son was in the bed with me and I'm typing and he's like stop typing when it gets to 25,000 and I stopped at 25 it went to 25,000 and three mm-hmm. and he's like I had to delete 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 and it gets to 25,000 and he was like wow and I was like this is pretty awesome. <laughs> I've typed a 25,000 words. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, I think the, the, the story behind that is just enjoying the moments. Yeah. The, the, the book launch is the outcome. Mm-hmm. The moments to get there 
are the story, right? So that is what the book is. It's the Mm -hmm. moments that created the story. So here are the 10 lessons that are the book. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are many stories that, of course, fill in in all of these. So number one is work hard, party a little harder, mm-hmm. in which um, I said at that in Washington where, you know, I, I, I look after my nails every day. So party a little harder, but doesn't mean party all the time, like at the club, which I do as well. <laughs> but it also means taking the time to do your nails, to do your yoga, to just give you mm-hmm. five minutes, you know, to, to walk around naked, to appreciate yourself in, you know, your underwear and look at your body and love it and think that it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is a mental building exercise mm-hmm. that allows you to do the hard work, right? Um, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's just how it goes. Don't expect anybody to read your mind and decide that, oh, I'm going to give her that because she looks like she may want it. That's not how the world works. Ask. To whom much is given, much is expected. And we talked about this in the podcast. Um, me being here is because I've been given a lot. And I'd mm-hmm. hope that some of the lessons that I have you would be able to share uh, not just with the, not just with your immediate circle and with everybody in your podcast, but that you yourself mm-hmm. would be able to to um, take some of these lessons. Uh, never take the first offer. And usually, I have someone that works for me who's listening up to this, and they go, "Hmm, carry the one, add the two, and they realize, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I took the first mm-hmm. offer. I could have been making more money." And I'm like, "Yes." Yes, that is true. I will all do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but that, that's why you have to learn lessons, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes you have to swallow a little. So I, I talked about going back to school yeah, um, and, and doing the undergrad research because I, I needed to, to build my profile a little bit. Um, you know, I've recently resigned as parliamentary secretary to which people were like, oh, my God, nobody ever does that. Why did you do that? Because sometimes you need to step back and move away from your ego and let things happen that you know should happen. Mm-hmm. If you think about something twice, you've thought about it one too many times, we could outsource our problems just like we could outsource anything else. So whether it's going back to school, running in politics, starting a business, Wish if you think about if you start obsessing about it, stop doing that. Stop obsessing about things and just ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. Right. So they, the lessons inter interplay with each other. So if you think about something twice, you've thought about it once many times. If it doesn't make you want it to vomit, it's not worth doing. <laughs> Trailblazers don't do things that don't give them butterflies in their mm-hmm. stomach. The butterflies is what's telling you. They're not actually butterflies. They're little cheerleaders that are saying, do it, do it. You know, and that's, I think that's amazing. And the world doesn't have the time for us to not be amazing. Some really incredible things are happening right now. We need to challenge. And I think we can only do that as women if we decide that we're going to blaze the trail and do the things that make us feel uneasy. The Rolling Stone gathers no doubt. Um, usually it's the Rolling Stone gathers no moss and I'm not a big fan of moss. I like to keep my fingers clean. Um, but it, it's the ability to keep moving. Once we stop, we start to doubt ourselves. You know, I want to go back to school, but I don't think I'm smart enough. So I talked about having two MBAs. Mm-hmm. 
I was actually in a PhD program mm. and I was in the program and I kept doubting myself of this imposter syndrome kept coming up like, Oh, these people know way more than I do. Oh my God. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I'll, you know, I'll just drop out. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out and I thought I'll take another MBA because I need one. <laughs> Oh my God, if the facial expressions could be shown in the I know, in a po- I just, I wish, I wish. <laughs> just um, have a photo but, gallery to go along with each second. Yeah, I know, you have to just have a photo blog <laughs> of it. Um, but no, honestly, it, you know, why Why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we doubt our, our ability? Even mm-hmm. when the world is, the universe is telling us, yes, you belong in a PhD program because mm-hmm. you're in a PhD yeah, program. It's like you got there. We, we doubt ourselves to the point where we miss our opportunities mm-hmm. and we, we go back. That being said, nothing that is meant for you could ever pass you by. Mm-hmm. That's lesson number nine. So in as much as I could say, well, I should have been in a PhD program. I don't, I don't doubt that I'm supposed to be where I'm supposed to be. Right. I don't, you know, the fact that I, people say, you know, oh, Selena, you should have been a minister in this, in this government. Nothing that's meant for me could pass me by. Mm-hmm. It's not, it wasn't for me and therefore it did not happen. I believe that that is that faith. That is what I believe. I believe that nothing can be given to me by man. Mm-hmm. That the, the, the God that I serve gives me everything. And so mm-hmm. nothing that's meant for me can go past me because he won't allow it. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. He dope like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Like you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. That's how it works. We cool. We real. We mad cool. Um, and then number ten, go big or stay home. The world has no time for us to act small especially as women, as women of color who have so much to contribute to the state of our world right now, being small is an unacceptable outcome. It's just unacceptable. We need to go big. We need to harness our energy and understand how powerful we really are and decide that we are going to step big into this world Step big because that is who we have been created to be. Mm-hmm. Bigger and larger than life. Hell, we've been practicing being twice as good, twice as bad, twice as fast for so long. We should be twice as large. Mm-hmm. So now's the time to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love those 10 lessons. Those are great. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're just, they're just like all happy. No, you don't understand. Like we, I mean... I, I thought about that for days, like for days afterwards. And can I say I integrated all of them into my life? No, but <laughs> I thought about it, but I'm going to, and so it's like, I thought about it and it's like, I still want to keep pursuing and learning those lessons every day. And I was like, it's really important that I make sure she shares those. When yeah. I talk to her. Yeah. Um, so, so when, so I do have them all in my book and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's getting to a point where I'm starting to reread and add stuff and do stuff in it because I want it to be, I want it to be an opportunity for people to learn. Most importantly that other people have made mistakes and that we are never alone. Mm-hmm. And that is a very spiritual lesson, but it's a very practical lesson as mm-hmm. well. 
Um, and uh, I think it's one that we need to share with each other if we are ever going to see a world that is truly as beautiful as it really should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My last question for you is how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Um, being a woman or womanhood is living your full purpose. I, I just, I think it's, it's about being, I think it's about being, and I, I, you know, some people may struggle with this question, um, because I could apply that to anyone, whether Mm -hmm. male or female or, or other, or otherwise it's living your full purpose. We know as women that we have an intuition, we have gut feelings, we have nurturing qualities, we have the ability to look at policy through a lens of caring and understanding. Put that purpose into what we do. Mm -hmm. If we feel emotional, we should do that. Because we know the the purpose that we have in this world is to make it better. And so if we don't give of all of ourselves, again, the good and the bad, the success and the failures, then we've done a disservice to the world as women. Because I think that we do that best. And we have the capacity to do so much more. We we come from a, a line of generations, our ancestors that are so powerful, especially when we think about Black women and where mm-hmm. we've the successes we have had from the continent straight over through to this continent that we're currently on and the successes and the highs and the lows that we've had in between that, if we're not giving our full purpose to the world, then we have not lived our true womanhood, let alone our true humanity. Mm-hmm. I love that. You're actually the person who's answered that question the fastest. Usually I like cut out like the long pauses. They're like, oh my goodness. Um, but, I, but I love, but I do love that answer. Um, so thank you so much, Selena, uh, for joining me today. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Anything you want to shout out to? No, I just want to shout out to all your listeners. Thank you so much for listening to me. Um, and uh, just really to thank you for providing a platform for us to share our stories. Stories are very sticky and having platforms to be able to share them and to be able to follow up like you did um, after meeting in Washington, Mm -hmm. connect across countries, connect across borders and say, this is a story I want to tell then, or want to share, then I'm I'm extremely grateful to you and uh, would like to to bless you and bless all your listeners. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to share. Oh, thank you. You're so nice. <laughs> thank you it's so the, much. It's the truth. <laughs> thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Um, Please connect with the show. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. Go ahead and like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. If you would like to send us an email to say, hey, how you doing? If you want to come on the show, know someone you'd like to come on the show, you want to sponsor the show because looking to sell out, please email us at PrettyFaceWomen at MTAPFPodcast.com and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.